Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks, that you want us to know you. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now, and we pray that you would open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's word is a very short word from our Lord in our gospel passage today. It is this. Stop being hypocritical, judgmental jerks and love each other. Amen. <laughs> wait a second, wait. Hold on. That, uh, that can't be it. Right? Surely uh, that's not what Jesus came to say. Is that really why he took on human flesh and went to all the trouble with the virgin birth, leaving his throne in heaven to enter into our broken world just to tell us something that we already know. This is often how people sum up Jesus' teaching and the Christian message. Stop being judgmental jerks and love each other, right? If that's what Christianity is, then there's really nothing new about it. There's nothing different, no revelation there. That, that's really just Oprah. You know, you don't need the only son of God to tell you you should love each other. Just listen to Oprah. Or turn on the Beatles, right? Lennon and McCartney sang it to us decades ago. All you need is love. Love is all you need. Everyone agrees with this. Even Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne sang in 1980 on Crazy Train. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. Ozzy Osbourne. Almost everyone can agree on love. Is that really what Jesus is saying here? If it is, <clears throat> then we're in trouble because we'll never be able to do it. We haven't been able to do it for the last 6,000 years or however old you understand human civilization to be. And from the way things look now, it's not really getting any better. Just listen to the political conversation in our country today and you can hear how that message to just love each other hasn't worked. In many ways, we're more divided than ever. Or take the coronavirus pandemic. I read this yesterday. According to the Post and Courier, there are two things that stores are running out of. We all know the first one, it's toilet paper, right? The other one is guns and ammunition. That's what they said, the shelves are empty of guns and ammunition. Everybody is literally worried about protecting their own behinds in, <laughs> in more ways than one. <clears throat> you know, all you need is love. They're playing the Beatles while they're arming themselves to the teeth. Uh, as Ozzy sang, we're going off the rails in a crazy train. But don't get me wrong here. It's, it's not that love is not what we need. It is. We really do need love. But it never happens when it's left up to us. We try to love, but we end up hurting each other. We end up judging. I remember when Kate and I first got to seminary years ago, uh, part of our orientation weekend involved all the, the new students getting a chance to stand up and to share what had brought us all to seminary. I remember sitting there listening to my new classmates tell their stories, and all I was doing was judging them. I was sizing them up. This was going to be my community for the next three or so years. I didn't know any of them. And I was reflexively trying to see 
first if I would actually like any of them, right? I was trying to find somebody who might be a friend. Uh, And at the same time, I was measuring myself against them. Everything was very new, and I wasn't sure how I would stack up. It was my own insecurity driving the ship there. But the result was just all judgment and comparison. This was seminary, mind you. I just want to remind you of the context, okay? We were there to study and train to be pastors, and all I could do was judge the pants off of everybody. The funny thing was, as I got to know uh, all those folks, we got to know each other, we actually all ended up confessing that we had the same thoughts that day. Uh, We were all judging. We were all sizing ourselves up against one another. And as is usually the case, some of those that I thought were the farthest from me in those initial moments ended up becoming some of my closest friends who I still get together with on an annual basis. Jesus is telling us not to judge, to not condemn. That's what he's saying to us. But so often we do without thinking. When he tells us here to be gracious to others, forgive others, give to others, and the measure that you use will be measured back to you. It is essentially an expansion of the golden rule, which we heard Chris give to us last week. It's just a few verses earlier in Luke 6. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus is spelling that out here. He's saying, don't judge because then you'll be judged. Don't condemn because then you'll be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. He's just describing how things work in our tit-for-tat world. And just think about your relationships for a second, okay? How does it go when you are critical or judgmental of people in your life? Do they respond with, hey, thanks, that's really helpful. You know, you're right, I do look fat in these jeans. (laughs) You know, how thoughtful of you to let me know that. That is never how it goes, right? It never goes that way. They, they may not say it back to your face. Uh, hopefully they do, because we all need to be put in our place when we're being judgmental jerks. But the reality is they're judging us whether they tell us or not, right back. And it's the same thing with condemnation. Condemn somebody and they're gonna condemn you right back. So we can recognize that what Jesus is saying here is true, but it doesn't help us to do it. This is still in the realm of loving others, which we heard Chris talk about last week. The impossibility of loving our enemies. He showed us how radical true love really is. That's ultimately what we want, and it is what we need, you know, as the Beatles said, and what Ozzy said. We want to be loved. That's how we want to be treated, but we can't break the cycle. As we've seen, our hearts are usually judgmental first, rather than being gracious or loving. More than that, and this is the interesting part here, it is our love that is actually the problem. The late writer and pastor Robert Farrar Capon said this. He said, love, as we so regularly mismanage it, is the largest single factor in making our personal worlds go down the drain. He goes on, psychiatrists' couches are not kept warm by patients complaining of the depredations of total strangers. In other words, it's our love relationships that cause us so much pain in our lives. 
the people we are closest to, exactly all of our efforts to love simply expose how broken and compromised we really are. Now, it reminds me of a movie, which shouldn't surprise any of you. Uh, it reminds me of the Black Knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All right? King Arthur, the king of the Britons, is on his quest to find the Grail, and he's recruiting knights to join him. And he encounters the Black Knight. And the Black Knight challenges him to a fight. And in pretty short order, Arthur cuts off his arm. Just cuts it right off. And Arthur clearly thinks that he's won the fight. But the Black Knight is standing there bleeding profusely and says, "'Tis but a scratch." And Arthur says, "'Your arm's off.'" And the knight replies, "'No, it's not.'" And Arthur points to it on the ground and says, "'What's that?' And he says, "'It's just a flesh wound.'" And you know how it goes. And if you don't know how it goes, that's your homework this week. You have nothing else to do, so watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But the fight continues till finally, the Black Knight is sitting there on the ground with no arms and no legs, just a stump. And he says, all right, we'll call it a draw. <laughs> this is how we are when it comes to our sin, to our broken love. We can't even see how bad our situation really is. Because as Jesus tells us, we have logs in our eyes. We're blind like the Black Knight to our own inability. We are the blind leading the blind. <clears throat> we try all the time to fix our situation and to try to fix the situations of others, as Jesus says, taking the speck out of their eye. And we do that by applying more willpower. We apply more good intentions. You know, we just try harder in our attempts to love and we continually fall into the pit together. So why do I harp on this? Why does Jesus, right? Chris told us last week, this is all in the context of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which is Luke's account of Jesus' teaching uh, that Matthew gives us in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' teaching on the law, his interpretation and elevation of the law. He's taking it from the external level, you know, all our actions, and he's applying it to the internal heart level. Because that's really where most of us live. I mean, most of us don't actually tell our friends they look fat in their new jeans, right? We just think it. And Jesus knows this because he knows our hearts. And so he's laying out God's demand on us. The way that we're supposed to love from the heart. But we can't. And yet, we should. Why does Jesus take so much time to explain the law in this way? Well, Brian Stevenson, in his book, Just Mercy, explains it very well, I think. He says, there is a strength, a power even, in understanding brokenness, because embracing our brokenness creates a need and desire for mercy, and perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things that you can't otherwise see. You hear things that you can't otherwise hear. Jesus exposes our brokenness because of his real message to us. The reason why he's really come 
is to give us mercy. He's come to deal with our problem with love. He's come to intervene, to give us new hearts. That's what scripture tells us. He is the teacher in this passage that he refers to that none of us are greater than. He is the only one who actually has the authority and the freedom to judge because he actually keeps the law perfectly. He loves God above all else, and he loves his neighbor as himself. Jesus does not have a log in his eye, not even a speck. He is truly good. He has all the authority to judge, but he doesn't judge. Instead, he is judged for us. Remember that famous passage from John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This cycle of judgment and condemnation, of compromised love that we are all trapped in, gets broken by Jesus. The act of true love that we really need, that transforms our hearts, that takes the logs out of our eyes, that removes our sin from us as far as the east is to the west. That true love comes from Jesus. He does not judge us. He does not condemn us. He forgives us. Hear that today. You are forgiven. You are loved by the Lord. Jesus is the one who gives to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right into our laps. I love that. Right into our lap. And it brings new life to us. His life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's where Jesus is pointing us with this truly awesome teaching on the law in his Sermon on the Plain. He is pointing us to the real reason he came. He's pointing us to his cross, where he is judged for us, where he was condemned for us, where he forgave our sins. He's he's not just telling us to love, but he actually is loving us by conquering sin and death for us. The only hope for you and for me to bear the good fruit of real love for others in our lives, to truly have generous hearts, is if we believe in him, if we trust him. And we will not believe and we will not trust unless we first hear his awesome news of mercy. That's why he came. That's how we become like our teacher, not through our own effort, but by his great gift. You are forgiven. Believe in him. Trust him. And he will lead you in love and mercy for your neighbor. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace, this great news that you are the God who has come to give us mercy. 
that you expose the logs in our eyes, Lord. You expose the corruption in our hearts, our inability to love, and you come and love us and shower us with your mercy. You give us new hearts, and that sets us free to actually love others. We thank you, Lord. We ask that you would keep this truth firmly fixed in our hearts and our minds this week, and we pray, Lord, that you would use us uh, to love our families and to love those around us. Lord Jesus, that we would never forget that we love because you first loved us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.